Hello and welcome to Calling All Detectives from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Calling all detectives. A newspaper publisher found his long-lost daughter in the lovelorn column of his own paper. That is the situation on this page from my casebook. The casebook of Jerry Browning, private detective. You don't have to be a private detective like me, Jerry Browning, to know that your own advice is the hardest to take. I walked past a row of copy desks to the private office of Tom Ritchie, owner and managing editor of the Morning Courier. Ritchie was waiting for me. Come in, Browning, and sit down. Take a look at this. He handed me a long piece of paper printed in column form. It was headed, Advice for the Asking by Aunt Betty. That's a galley-proof, Brownie. Read it. I read it. The entire column was devoted to a question and answer on the problem of a young woman who signed herself puzzled. It seemed that she was a child of divorced parents, had never really known her father, and now that she herself was engaged, she wanted Aunt Betty's advice on how to get in touch with her father so that he could attend the wedding. Aunt Betty's answer was a lot of saccharine double talk. Don't bother with that claptrap, Brownie. Richie pressed a buzzer on his desk. Browning, this is Mr. Hunter, better known to courier readers as Aunt Betty. Hunter gave me a limp hand and a pathetic smile. Writing an advice column is all that's left for a man who's too old to get out on a beat. Don't apologize, Hunter. You've still got a sharp nose for news. Browning, Hunter brought me the original of that letter. Richie swallowed hard. Browning, I have every reason to believe that the girl whose name was signed puzzled is none other than my own daughter. What am I supposed to do now? A wealthy newspaper owner believed one of the readers seeking for advice from a columnist was his own daughter. Five minutes later, Richie and I were in my car on the road to the little nearby town of Midvale. We found the house, the only rooming house in the town. He looked sadly at the tumble-down building. This is dreadful. To think that my daughter should live in a place like this. Well, come on, Browning. Let's get it over with. We went up the rickety stairs. Talked to Henry Willard, the man who owned the rooming house. Patricia Ritchie? Sure, she lives here. Wait, I'll call her. A few seconds later, a young girl walked towards us. 
She was blonde, petite, and altogether charming. She eyed us questioningly. Richie's eyes filled with tears. I felt a little choked up myself, but I smiled at the girl. You are Patricia Richie, and you can prove it? The girl nodded, mumbled something about letters, documents. Well, Miss Richie, here's special personal service for you from the courier. May I present your father? She was in his arms then in the most touching reunion scene I've ever witnessed. There, there. Everything's going to be all right. We've got a lot to make up to each other. Go pack a bag. Nope, don't take a thing. I'll buy whatever you need back in town. On the drive back, Patricia told us of the death of her mother the year before in New York City. Then Richie asked about the boy his daughter was engaged to. But Patricia's answers were satisfactory. Her boyfriend was in medical school on the West Coast. She had had money enough to get to Midvale, where she planned to get a job and build a nest egg until she could join him out at Berkeley. His name? Pete Zenger. Well, he pulled up in front of the courier building. Browning, I want to pay you off. I protested. Oh, Mr. Ritchie, you don't owe me a thing. Ritchie just smiled, pulled out his checkbook and a fountain pen, and before he got out of the car, wrote me out a check for 500 Take it, Browning. I feel generous. Now, Patty girl, you and I have got a lot to do. I'm going to give you the biggest nest egg this town ever saw. I'm getting my lawyers. Have them turn over the ownership of the courier to you. They walked off arm in arm, and I drove away. I was $500 richer. The money was the easiest I'd ever earned. And yet, the whole thing had been too easy. The reunion had been too touching. A quarter-million-dollar touch, if I could believe the quoted value of the courier's stock. I decided to do a little investigating at Patricia's home. I waited outside until I saw Henry Willard come out of the house. Then I went in. I searched Patricia Ritchie's room with a fine-tooth comb. What I turned up was a few letters and a yellowed birth certificate. Everything checked. But nevertheless... From a drugstore, I put in a long-distance call to the Department of Vital Statistics in New York. Yes, a Marietta Ritchie had died the year before. She'd been killed in an automobile accident, and with her at the time... I didn't have to hear any more. I got a hat full of quarters and put in a call to Berkeley, California. Five minutes later, I was back on the highway on my way to Ritchie's office. A girl was there with Tom Ritchie and Martin Hunter. Whitley Palmer, the attorney, was there, too. But, Tom, these matters take time. Hang the time, Palmer. I want Patricia to have the ownership of the paper now. Hunter's my witness. I marched over to the desk, put one hand around Patricia's wrist, the other around Hunter's. Uh-uh, Ritchie. You're not signing anything. But these two sharpies are. Yeah? They signed confessions. Finally. What a sweet scheme they'd had. The year before, Hunter had caught a small dispatch over the teletype. It was the announcement of the death of Marietta Ritchie and her daughter Patricia in an accident. He'd stopped the story before it got to the desk, and then with a batch of forged papers, he'd set up his own daughter as Patricia. Maybe they'd have got away with it. If I hadn't got suspicious of just one thing. The name of Patricia's totally imaginary fiancé, Peter Zenger is a name ingrained in every newspaper man's brain because he was the pioneering journalist who fought for the freedom of the press. 
It was the name that automatically came to mind when Hunter was trying to plant a way to introduce the fake Patricia to Richie through what seemed to be the coincidental channels of his advice for the asking column. Normally, Richie would have recognized it instantly, but then all he was thinking about was his joyous reunion with his long-lost daughter. Like I said, it's not always easy to take advice. That's why you should at least take time to make a decision. <laughs> 